0: every once in a while I'm asked this question and I'm not sure how to answer it. And the question is, well, I know how to answer it because the answer is no. But the, the question is, who's your primary care provider?
1: Oh, sure.
0: Yeah. And I, I, I know I'm supposed to have one. And when I'm asked the question, I'm like, well, I don't have one. And I feel like really bad that I don't because like,
2: I should care about my health and I should have one. Uh, Troy, do you have a primary care provider? I do, Scott. I'm surprised <gasps> you don't list me as your primary care provider because it seems like I get a lot of text messages from <laughs> you. So so he might as well just list me. Why not? All right. Well, that's uh, great. I do. I do have a primary care provider. Mitch, do you have one?
1: I do. I got one a couple of years ago and, yeah. and yeah, right. it was good.
0: I, I guess I'm the odd one out. So there was a 2015 study that said 28% of men don't have a personal doctor or a healthcare provider. I guess I'm in that 28%. There you go. Yeah, yeah you're one of the three. If you're among ethnic minorities, it's even higher. 47% of Hispanic men don't have a PCP. Wow. And this is kind of shocking. We normally don't talk about women because it's a men's health podcast, but women are doing a little bit better. Um, but 17% of them don't have one. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so anyway, I don't know. Uh, the question is, is a primary care provider really that important? And why don't guys have one? And what can we do about it? I guess we're talking about what can we do about Scott today? On this, yeah, show. This, <laughs> this is yes. this new is title,
3: Ca- How to Fix Scott. Yes, That's How to great. Fix
0: Scott. Um, this is Who Cares About Men's Health with Information, Inspiration, and a Different Interpretation of Men's Health. I'm Scott Singpill. I'm primary care providerless, and I bring the BS. The MD
2: to my BS is Dr. Troy Madsen. Hey Scott, don't say your primary care provider. Like I said, I'm I'm here for you, man. I've got your back. <laughs> Appreciate that. <laughs> yeah.
0: Always with his unique perspective and uh, a guy that now very much cares about his health. He's a oh. I care about my health convert. It's producer Mitch.
1: Wow. Yeah, and one of the first steps was getting a PCP actually. So sure, yeah. I'm excited to talk about this.
0: And our expert today, Dr. Matt Shabbat. He is a board-certified physician in pediatrics and internal medicine, so he sees men's of, men, men's of all ages. How are you doing, Dr. Shabbat?
3: <laughs> men and boys, yes. No, I'm doing well. I'm a little worried that your primary care provider is in the emergency department. You <laughs> know, to speak to a high level of illness that you're experiencing. But, yeah, yeah, you
0: should be, but that's not the case in my instance. The question is, Dr. Shabbat, do you have a PCP, a primary I, care provider? I do.
3: I, I would... Uh, I I would be ashamed if I did. No, I think there's this saying that's like if you are being your own doctor, you you probably have a fool for a doctor, right? Like (laughs) you're not not (laughs) impartial at that point.
0: Back to this conversation about men and having like a a primary care provider. Or Mitch Mitch referred to it as a personal care provider. Is there a reason you call it a personal care provider, Mitch?
1: No, no. (laughs) That was That must have been that must have been a typo. Sorry.
0: All right. I just
3: I I honestly love that typo. I think that you know that's a good. PR campaign for primary care in general. Just call it personal care. It sounds. Cool. I like it. I
2: like yeah. it. All right.
0: Yeah. So, what percentage of your patients? I mean, I I know you don't have probably stats on this. Do you think would call you? You know, your your their primary care provider, meaning you have a relationship with them. You've seen them more than a couple of times. I would say at
3: this point, the vast majority. I would, you know, oh, and, wow. and I do have stats on this. The university really does monitor this closely, and uh, I'm at like 90% of the people that I see, I am listed as their primary care person.
0: Wow. I'm starting to feel more and more like the outside guy here. So, uh, <laughs> uh, so, all right. So Mitch, let's, yeah. let's talk briefly about like our experience with our personal care provider, our oh primary care provider, our primary care physician, whatever you want to call it, that doctor you have a relationship or that healthcare provider you have a relationship with. Mm-hmm. Cause it could be a physician assistant, couldn't it? Or not Dr. Shabbat. What's your take on that?
3: Oh, definitely. Um, so, uh, APCs or advanced practice clinicians encompass like PAs or, uh, physicians, associates, they're often called to, and, uh, nurse practitioners, and they very much fill that primary care role, uh, for a lot of folks. So can you can go with either. Um, uh, the, the training is different. Um, in that, you know, to be a MD or DO it's more years and a PA is less years. Um, but they, they bring a very different and valuable perspective. So we work with them a lot in the clinic where I am and they're great.
0: So Mitch, tell us about your experience in finding a primary care provider and and what that's brought to your life.
1: Yeah. So maybe like, eh, I'd say when I first got insurance again, so early thirties, um, I was like, all right, I'm going to start caring about my health. Like I'm a producer on this show. I should probably go do something about it. And so I signed up for just a physical at some random clinic ever that, you know, was on the list of my insurance or whatever. And when I showed up, I was, I, you know, had a very nice chat with the administrative assistant who was like checking me in and everything like that. And in the back of my head, I'm like, I should probably get a a PCP because that's a question that I can never answer on a form. I had never had one before. And so I just like spoke up and I said, hey, I'm new to all this. You know, (laughs) what do I need to do to get a PCP? And she was so sweet and so kind. And she's like, you know, it can be hard to find a good one. It can be hard to find, you know, people taking new patients, et cetera. But here's the guy who's been treating my kids since they were teenagers and gave me a name and a number. And I've been going with him since and it's been nice to be able to like fill that out and it's been kind of nice when i go to these specialists and like it's like a sleep specialist where it takes months to get in and to be able to transfer the care over to a central person now i only see him like maybe once or twice a year but he's kind of the guy who makes sure that all of my care is being you know it's he's the he's the single point person for all the stuff that i am having done so
0: you got lucky. You just kind yeah. of right off the bat, found one, and, and you're good to go. All right. Um, I do want to dive into the benefits, like what benefits you feel that having a PCP brings. But Troy, tell us about your PCP.
2: Yeah, I think my story is kind of similar to Mitch's. But, you know, mine. I found my PCP years ago, and it was, again, after I. we've talked before about how I had some high cholesterol readings and got concerned about that. So I set up an appointment with a PCP, and I found someone online who— you know i didn't know him but i thought well he seems like a good guy and he was about my same age too so I thought, what oh, that's did you cool. base that? what did you base that on the picture <laughs> his name I mean, yeah he looked like a nice guy like he works he for the year. smile you he know. looks very yeah he has kind yeah. eyes and so, <laughs> <laughs> so i went saw him and liked him and, and he's, he is a great guy i've continued to go see him every year since then and and kind of like mitch i see him once a year um and he has been someone I've been able to go to with issues that have come up. And as we've talked about stuff on the podcast that's come up, I've been able to go to him and say, hey, we talked about migraines. I think I might have migraines. He said, yeah, I agree. You have migraines. Here's some medication. Sure. So <laughs> um, so it's been great for that. You know, he gave me, we talked about the colonoscopy. He gave me the referral last year and got that set up for me. So he, again, has been the point person in coordinating my care and someone I, I see pretty much, it, it's pretty much a yearly basis.
0: Um, so I, I'd say about 20 years ago, I, you know, had to go in for the annual physical or whatever. And I did, and I kind of fell in with this doc that I liked and he was there for two or three years. Um, and then he ended up retiring, right? So Mm -hmm. I've had a different journey and I think this is why I don't have one. So he ended up retiring and I think mine's more circumstance. Like Mitch got lucky. Maybe I just got unlucky. (laughs) Um, so then I get another one for a couple years and then I change jobs. And you know, when you change jobs, yeah, oftentimes you change insurance, right? So sure. now I've got to go to a different clinic. Um, so then I had another for a couple years and that one moved. And then uh, you know, I do go to University of Utah Health, so there are residents there. So one of them was a, a resident, and after the residency, that individual moved. So I just kind of got to the point where like why do I keep trying? They just keep leaving me. Oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> I've been hurt before. <laughs> yes, I have been. I think somebody else moved to another clinic, you know, within the system, but that clinic was too far away. So, kind of, I've adopted more of this clinic view. I guess I figure if my health records are, you know, within the system and I kind of go to the same clinic, that's good enough. Mm. Um, I also think like things for my annual checkup maybe just a physician assistant can do that. So usually I I just schedule it with, you know, a physician assistant as opposed to an MD.
3: Scott, can I jump in on the physician assistant? Yeah, absolutely. Which is just to say um, the more current term is actually, they're still called PAs, but they go by physician associate um, Um, because they are pretty independent. So, um, and I think that is sometimes uh, something that people are like considering, like this is a lesser provider somehow, which is, I I think we should push back against that narrative a little bit because yeah, they're different. They're they're like different in the scope of things that they can do and a really good PA can get you to the place you need to be, even if they don't do all of that stuff themselves. So their their benefits are usually like access, right? You know, like I heard how you got bounced around a lot and like nobody could see you for a while. And you know, the American healthcare system has been plagued by that because we just like don't have enough doctors because it takes us forever to train every doctor because we're trying to teach them how to be like scientists as well as doctors. And the, so the, the pushback to that was PAs um, and, Anyway, as that's evolved over decades, uh, they've become more and more just providers in their own right. So anyway, to mm. anybody listening to this, I would say don't feel like you're getting the short end of the stick if you're seeing a PA. I, I myself see a PA for my uh, primary care person, oh, okay. my personal care person. Um, so, <laughs> uh, so yeah, I just wanted to make sure that was out.
0: I think that's a great point, and I wasn't by any stretch of the imagination saying that a physician associate was in, you know lesser than. I just figure if I'm going in and it's for a physical and we're just gonna kind of do those routine things, like I, I, I'm not a complicated case, like like right. you said, like an internal medicine doctor would I, do. I agree, yeah. And and I think I think that's another good point because what I'm hearing here is if part of having a relationship with a primary care provider is about access, the person that coordinates the care, it sounds like a physician associate, that's what they excel at, maybe. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, that's a great person to have. Um. All right. Cool, Doctor um, Doctor Shabbat. How about your primary care provider? How did you fall into that relationship? And how long have you guys been going out?
1: <laughs> oh
0: my! God. It's weirder because it's a woman. So yeah. Thanks. Man. All right.
3: Uh, but no, it's great. Uh, so I've I've been seeing my primary care provider, and like like you know, like you mentioned, I kind of have a sense of my own health status in that I'm not that complicated. I don't need that much. Admittedly, I go to the you know, physical once a year. And a lot of my motivation for doing that is the insurance perk. Like they'll like give you some money with my insurance to say, yeah, you got your flu shot and your physical. And I think, oh, that's enough for me to go. So um, we, but I've been seeing my primary care person for like five years or so. And, Hmm. and they're great. I, I think, you know, they fulfill the sort of I, I, you know, the reason I like this person, I knew them because I work in the system, right? And I think they can speak to my level of medical jargon, right? You know, I think that's, that's always a tough thing is, you know, it's like, if you're not medical, right, you don't want somebody who's talking over your head. But at the same time, if you are medical, you want someone who, Mm. you know, know, just cut right to the chase. (laughs) Yeah.
0: So we've, we've kind of briefly, you know, mentioned some of the things maybe your primary care physician might do for you. Uh, helping to coordinate care is one, but like, is a PCP really that important? Am am I in a bad situation that I don't have one? And is Mitch and Troy in just such a better situation because they do?
2: (laughs) We're all very worried about you, yes. And and
0: it's tragic.
2: I was going to echo that too, because I think, Matt, kind of like you said, I think a lot of what you're doing is just kind of the yearly thing. And we do get an insurance discount at the U. And I will admit that's been an incentive for me. I, I like though having that relationship, but, but sometimes I have wondered too, like, you know, is this really necessary for the average person? So it's a good question. I think, Scott,
3: uh, of course you're talking to a biased audience, right? It's like, if you ask the <laughs> car mechanic, do we need car mechanics? And they'll be like, yeah. Um, <laughs> but, um, but I would say, yeah, it, like I, as a primary care person myself know and accept that, you know, healthy people in their 20s and 30s probably are not dragging themselves to the clinic every year just because. And that's okay, right? But um, there is a fair amount of things, especially when you get over 40, that even the healthy person who feels great should be looking at. And uh, the things I'm going for here are mostly metabolic health, right? Because, you know, I, I haven't seen the recent stats, you know, but like, the majority of americans at this point are at an unhealthy weight and the uh amount of blood pressure blood sugar cholesterol problems that we find in people who feel like they're just doing fine is uh, enormous you know um so if we're if we're not you know looking we'll never know and the reason healthcare in this country has had some not great results is probably because we ignored those things for the 10 years when we could have done something about it. And then people come in when they're like finally having heart attacks, you know, and then, yeah. and then you get to be choice problem. So,
2: yeah, exactly. Wow. I'm wow. curious too, you know, be, because a lot of that yearly visit is the physical exam. Like someone's being examined, you're, you're listening to their lungs, their heart, palpating mm-hmm. the their abdomen. What value do you find in that for the average person? Okay. So you got to promise not to like tell anybody
3: that I said this, but not much. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, okay. that's Yeah. That's I like, kind of kind of teach yeah. a physical exam course in, in med school, but, um, but no, admittedly for like, what is the, what is the utility of listening to somebody's lungs? Who's just totally healthy? Not, not much. And, um, but I, where I actually take these physical exams more so is like a conversation. It's like a coaching session. It's, you know, Let's talk about anything else that came up in your family this year because, oh, man, your brother was diagnosed with cancer. That actually means something for you in terms of you You now need different cancer screening tests and stuff like that. So I find the conversation aspect way more valuable than the, you know, the, the dance of the Western shaman where I like, you know, use my stethoscope on various parts <laughs> of your <their> body.
0: Um <laughs>
2: So it's it's so refreshing to hear you say that.
0: I I want to jump in. I want to jump in and and hopefully I can defend the practice. So like the listening to the lungs part, that's what we're talking about right now. Or listening to the heart of a healthy person. Are you saying you generally, if somebody appears healthy, you're not uncovering stuff there. But it's that metabolic stuff. It's like the cholesterol test, mm-hmm. the blood sugar test. Yeah. That's where the real value is. Yes. Um,
3: so yeah, those things. I think um uh, it and don't get me wrong, I still do all that stuff, but I accept that I don't I don't change people's lives often with, with the physical exam in a healthy person, but I do change their lives often with the blood tests that we get oh, at wow. that same visit. Okay. Um so that yeah, that's something that you got to be in person for. You can't just read it online. You need uh, someone to actually look at, you know, your chemistry, yeah. and to know what's going on.
0: And the conversation—that's that's the value too. Getting exactly. a little bit of a health history,
3: and uh, yeah, and that's that's like a lot of what I do in these because so many people have metabolic problems, right? Because weight is such a pro- prominent thing, and it results in so many issues downstream that's a lot of what i talk about that's the public health crisis that you know is engulfing us all right so um i get a lot of people who come in for their you know like i'm here for my insurance dollars and oh yeah my back hurts and i'll talk about the and my knees hurt and you know i'll say like you know we let's make a plan to make you 10 pounds lighter and i'll bet you your knees won't hurt right Mm -hmm. um so it's that sort of conversation often
0: so I was asking myself this question about, you know, what is the benefit of a primary care provider? And I've heard that just even having a relationship with a provider can help improve somebody's health. And I'm like, is that really true? So I did a quick little research scan and there was a study published by the Journal of the uh, JAMA. What is that Journal of the American Medical Association? Yep. Um, so it was a 49,000 person survey. So, forty actually, is more than that. 49,000 had primary care providers. 21,000 did not. And they found that the populations with providers were significantly more likely to fill prescription medications, have more routine preventative visits, and more likely to get screenings. It's just that relationship. And, you know, maybe some of it is like the insurance, right? So, then you go see them. You have that conversation about, yeah, I do have a family history of cancer. Then you get those screenings, as opposed to somebody who did not have a PCP, might not have ever gone down that path, right? So just just even having one as a healthy person, according to this evidence, can make a big difference. So I think that's pretty powerful. Mm -hmm. In addition to early detection and prevention of diseases, you know, finding those things in the test, you hear sometimes like it's a single point of contact for health questions, which I sometimes think is BS, because how am I (laughs) going to get a hold of this doctor outside of my appointment? I mean, is that part of a primary care provider? Is that true? Could I get a hold of you if you were my guy?
3: Yeah, well... And that's an interesting question that I, I, you know, so depending on the system that you're in, there's different ways to do that. Um, so there, so in the university system, for example, we have like this patient portal where you can send your doctor a message. And that is a great place to start to say like, you know, is this a big enough deal that I even need to see somebody? Um, and what we're dealing with in the university is, yeah, we made this system and now everybody can talk to us and, boy, do they talk to us and to have <laughs> like time for, cause we're also supposed to be seeing people in clinic. Right. So, um, so you might encounter and that, you know, kind of makes sense of like, yeah, sorry, I can't just answer this necessarily on email. Uh, you know, this is enough that we need an appointment. Right? Sure. And, that's, and that kind of bums people out, but um but the the uh, you know that depends a lot on the insurance system that you're in and the clinic that you're in. There are these clinics that have a completely different model where they're like, oh, we don't you know make money based on how many patients we see. We just like charge a monthly fee, or like a small monthly fee, and then we just take care of you as much as you need. And you can call us or text us or whatever. And then there's the other places which will very much say, I got to see you face to face anytime I you know, literally say two words to you. Um, And I I think the trend is moving away from the I have to see you face to face anytime you want any information. Uh, Because doctors realize that that's not efficient. Patients certainly have realized forever that it's like hard to get an appointment. So um, it'll be an interesting space to see where that goes.
0: Hey, Mitch, I want to ask you what do you get out of having a personal care provider Mm.
1: so the couple of benefits i experience and it's i i I am glad to hear that like it's like the magic shaman western medicine shaman dance is like not actually like because i've always confused like what are you checking for but the (laughs) right um but at the same time every year that i sit with that guy like it'll it's always when he like is about to leave i'm like okay one quick question like i have like one thing that's on my mind that i'd like to know and i i have an opportunity to talk with the doctor about that to have them you know even just put my mind at ease about something right so i find that a real benefit to be able to know that at least once a year a couple of visits additionally if i need them I have a guy that I can talk to about these ideas and he can, I can bounce ideas off of him and he can give me some advice.
0: Yeah. I love that. (laughs) Do you find your patients do that? Is that pretty common or is Mitch kind of uh, the outlier in that respect? (laughs)
3: Um, Well, I mean the doorknob comment, right? Like I'm on my way out the door. That's (laughs) super common. Yeah. But you know, the, you know, what I clued into and what you were saying, Mitch, is the, um, you know, even if it's just sort of a nagging concern, like, yeah. I'm not sure how worried about this I should be. And, you know, I, I get a lot of those and often people will apologize and say, like, I, uh, I'm sorry, this didn't turn out to be a big deal. And I'm like, no, no, no. Like, I'm here selling reassurance on some stuff. And that's sure. a valuable, Like, that's a valuable use of a primary care person that you weren't, you know, perseverating on this for months and or you didn't, you know, just show up in the emergency department randomly because you were so worried, right? Like there's easier ways to deal with a lot of these things. And, um, And I think that's a, you know, a prime example of how primary care docs make care more efficient for like patients and also for like, you know, systems and public health and stuff.
1: As for those, like the, the the making it efficient thing, like I've shared on this podcast a lot, like over the last couple of years, I've been going to a lot of specialists and figuring out a lot of really nagging issues and getting them fixed. And I've needed some specialist care. And like I have my PCP is someone who I can say, hey, I'm having trouble sleeping and it's been chronic and, you know, I need to find a sleep specialist. He's the one that helps direct me to a good person or a good center or a good clinic to reach out to. It's not me searching on my own. And especially over the last year and a half, two years, with everything from mental health to hormones to everything, like he has been indispensable in like cutting out all that like BS of trying to like find the right doctor. and Do they take your insurance? Like he knew, he knows and
2: can at least give me some guidance.
3: Right, right. It's a lot better than a Google search.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. And I can say, too, um, I think from my experience, just and I kind of mentioned these already, but, you know, as I've asked myself, what's the real value in this? Like three very tangible things. Like, first of all, was just having someone to go to when we talked about migraines and it was like, well, you know. I don't want to self-diagnose here, but, uh, I sure feel like I might have migraines after we talked to our migraine specialist, and I've been dealing with this for years and just trying to self-treat. So I don't think I would have really pursued that if I didn't already have that relationship with a PCP. So I think having that made it really easy to go see him and talk to him and get treatment. Um, I think the cholesterol screening, I think that piece every year has been very good because my cholesterol was high. And then I've made changes, but I've continued to make changes over time just based on those numbers. And it reinforces kind of where I am now and what I'm doing and keeps me on that track. And then I never would have gotten a colonoscopy last year if I didn't have a PCP. Like if I didn't have that relationship already, I would have thought, well, you know, I'm over 45. That's the recommendation now but I'm not over 50 and it used to be over 50. So I'm not going to worry about it. guideline. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like the older guideline better. So I'm going to stick with the older <laughs> science. I trust those guys more. Um, <laughs> so if it hadn't been for the PCP and having that relationship, I would not have gotten a colonoscopy. So I can huh. say those three things are very tangible things mm. that I, I can comfortably say, if I didn't have a PCP in place, I would not have pursued that.
0: I have a question for both of you. Mitch kind of triggered this. So, Mitch, you say every year you go in, if you've kind of got maybe something that you're like, I don't know if there's a big enough deal to worry about, but I'm going to ask because it's, I'm, 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 uh, here's my annual visit. I know I'm going in. Do you write those things down throughout the year somewhere? Do you keep a record of that?
1: Uh, no, just in the back of my head, playing over oh. and over all day long. <laughs> like, oh. yeah, thanks. Right. <laughs>
2: How about you, Troy? I mean, if you have issues, do you write them down or? I do. Yeah, I do write them down. So I write, I try to keep, because I have my PCP appointment scheduled for usually a couple of months in advance. I'll just kind of jot down things I want to talk to him about and stuff that's maybe been on my mind. Yeah, Stuff that's not urgent. I don't need to contact him right now, but I usually try and get a list together.
0: For me, the benefit when I had a PCP for two or three years, I mean, I just like the guy. I like, I just, I don't know what it was. (laughs) I like the guy and I like that relationship. I mean, As silly as this sounds, when I was in the waiting room and he walked in, like, it was nice to see that familiar face and it was nice to have a doctor go, hey, how you doing? How's everything going? You know, that was just kind of nice. I mean, that sounds kind of cheesy, but it it was. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And I also knew that I was going to visit him every year. And for me, I'm kind of a people pleaser so, so that every year visit, there was some accountability. So if he made a recommendation the year before, he's like, hey, you know what, Scott, you're probably you probably shouldn't be out in the sun without sunscreen so much. You've got a great looking tan, but you know, it's probably not the healthiest thing. Maybe you should, you know, consider wearing some sunscreen or some longer sleeves, sh- you know, so then I would think about that, you know, and I'd go back in the house and I put on a longer sleeve shirt and I'm like, yeah, he's got a point or, you know, Hey Scott, you know what? You're probably about 10 pounds overweight. You know, maybe if you could uh, work on that and I wanted to do a good job. So like he was an inspiration kind of in a way. So I I don't know if anybody else can relate to that. Uh,
3: The uh, the secret corollary I can give to you is doctors appreciate that too in the, oh man, yeah, this is Scott. um, You know, like I know him, right? Like that feels different in my visit, right? Where it's like, we're old friends. Like we've talked since, uh, you know, way back when, right? Like, that is a, a selling point for providers and they like that just as much as patients like that. So
0: sure. Um, I, you know, it comes back to, it just comes back to relationships, right? Relationships in our world are so important. And, and I don't want to say you would get, you wouldn't get as good a care if you didn't have a relationship, but sometimes that changes the dynamic between people, right? you're, uh-huh. You're more likely to maybe say something when you might not have or give it a think, think about something a, a, a millisecond longer than you might not regularly have or go. You know what? This isn't the same Scott that I remember from a couple years ago. Is everything OK?
3: Right. Yeah, I, I've had a couple patients describe this sort of unsettling image of like me as the sort of like angel on their shoulder telling them not to eat a donut or something. And they're like, <laughs> like what would Dr. Shabbat say? I know he's going to yell at me or something. I'm like, I like to think I don't yell at people, but <laughs> but they right. seem to like, I, I am their like accountability drill sergeant or something.
0: Yeah, um, yeah. we've um, kind of established that a relationship with a primary care provider or a personal care provider is a good thing. Um, but then we look at some of the barriers that might keep men away and there's a couple of studies that could lead this part of the conversation. And I would like Dr. Madsen and Dr. Shabbat to jump in or Mitch too, if like this resonates with you. And if you're listening, maybe one of these will resonate with you. So one of them is the process of getting that PCP is kind of unwelcoming and unaccommodating. And and you spoke to that, like, it's hard to get time off of work. If you don't have insurance, that's difficult. Um, you know so i think that resonates with us and uh, the way a lot of organizations overcome that is hey we'll give you a discount on your insurance so it makes the effort you know a little bit more worthwhile um another thing that was mentioned and i'm curious to see if you f- feel this is true is that men don't like to help seek they especially if they think the concern's not significant and i think we kind of touched on that right like some guys even apologize oh i'm sorry that wasn't a big deal but that shouldn't be a deterrent right right yeah um, and men don't like going into a visit and saying, so why are you here today? And not having an answer. Sure. You know, I, I, well, the reason I'm here is cause I've kind of have this thing. Like we want to be able to say, I have pain here, <laughs> you <Right. know>? yeah. <laughs> but that's totally okay too. Right. Is having that conversation through that conversation. Sometimes you uncover what the, 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 the problem is. Um, some men don't have a understanding about the benefits of general health. They think healthcare is just for acute emergencies. What do you think about that? Dr. Shabbat and you, Dr. Madsen, actually,
3: I would, I would agree with that as, as a, you know, sort of a broad stereotype. I know there's definitely exceptions to that. Um, but yeah, I think that's part of the male ethos is like, you know, come in if there's something bleeding, <laughs> Yeah, you know, um, I see all kinds, right. You know, I, I uh, the, it, it's a broad range of like people that worry too much or people that worry not enough. And I think all those folks are welcome, right? Like if you're too worried about stuff, the primary care person is there to bring you back to the middle. And if you're not worried enough, then the primary care person can also find some stuff that you really should be worried about.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I was going to say also along those lines, the more time I spend in emergency medicine, taking care of emergencies, the more I believe in preventive care. Like, You know, there's so much that can be done on the front end to prevent the stuff on the back end. And on the back end, a lot of times we're putting a Band-Aid on something, you know, figuratively, whether it's treating a diabetic emergency or getting someone to the cath lab to treat a heart attack, you know, stuff that's that's, it's probably going to help. But quite honestly, if you can get stuff taken care of on the preventive side through the primary care provider, that's where the real value is in healthcare, in my opinion.
0: Some other reasons guys don't seek out healthcare, according to these studies. Um, they think they're doing good enough. I think Mitch fell into that for a while. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm doing fine. <laughs> yeah, right. It's probably nothing to complain about. I don't want to be a whiner that I've been mm-hmm. kind of suffering with this mildly annoying thing for a while or things. Um, this kind of thought that women are the ones that are supposed to be worried about wellness and men aren't. It's not a concern of ours. Um so those are some of the barriers. I guess the thing about barriers is if there's a reason you're not going in, uh, maybe you should change your mind because like primary care can provide some pretty good benefits. Are there any other barriers that speak to any of you gentlemen? I mean,
2: you all go. So I guess not. Like, <laughs> but if the financial incentive I, yeah. wasn't there, what what would you do, Troy? I you know, the biggest thing that probably spoke to me from that list was that idea that it's tough just to go in when there's really not a reason to go in. It's just like, hey, I'm here. Do you have any issues? No, I don't. Everything's good. Okay. Cool. Good to see you. Do the physical exam. So that 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 is hard to do without some financial incentive. I will be completely honest. Um, so that's probably the biggest barrier for me. There have been a couple of years I've asked myself, do I really need to see the PCP this year? Oh yeah, there's that insurance discount. Absolutely, I'll go see him. If yeah. I didn't have that I can, I can honestly say, I don't know that I would go see him. Okay. And then, then there's this thought that maybe a question doesn't get asked because you do have this appointment. So yeah,
0: well, maybe I'll do a little inventory and see what's going on. And oh, I I think we all could identify a couple things <laughs> that yeah. could, it may or may not be an issue. Right? Well, that
2: being said, every year that I've said that to myself, then as the appointment has come up, I've thought, oh, I really should ask about this. You know, this family history I have has been on my mind. I should bring this up. Uh, and, and there's always been something I've asked eventually.
0: Sure. Mitch, how about you? If you didn't have the incentive or I mean, like when you didn't have insurance, was that your major barrier? Or were there other barriers that you had?
1: Oh, uh, my major barrier was not having insurance. Like okay. I, even the idea of going to a general health doctor for like a checkup, just like an annual physical, like I was terrified about how much it would cost and blah, blah, blah. Mm. So no, like as soon as I got insurance, like I went and got one.
0: Gotcha. Dr. Shabbat, you mentioned the financial incentive. That's gone. What What's your barrier? time yeah yeah for sure just just
3: a, you know like uh like we have mentioned here you know just sort of like i got enough stuff to do that there's got to be like a tangible benefit and i think yeah, that's why i'm happy we're having this conversation is just sort of reinforce for people that yeah those benefits are out there they're real and uh not just in terms of like oh i didn't die and have a heart attack but just like living better you know so i think that's that, that that's where I'm at with these is like, often we find, you know, maybe this isn't a mission critical sort of issue, but we're able to solve something that somebody has been struggling through for a while, you know?
0: So given the fact, I mean, Troy and Mitch, they're in pretty good shape. They've got their primary care providers, but for a person like me who struggled, I've kind of adopted this. I just go to the same clinic, sort of a philosophy. Would it be a good idea for me to at least try to find somebody that I continually go back to, and I mean, if they leave after a couple of years, fine. But try to find somebody else I continually go back to.
3: Uh, so I, I think it's always great to have a person who is your person. Um, but the strategy of sticking to the same clinic, a, a lot of clinics have good systems around that, right? So you know, I, I would say either way is fine. Um, kind of depends you know, on your own personal preference also. And, you know, it, what your level of need is, right? So if somebody's on three or four or more medications and has a bunch of chronic health care issues, you're probably going to want to talk to the same person every time. But if you're otherwise healthy and probably just need to get pointed in the right direction once a year, you know, probably better to just go with maximum availability. And that might be a different person. So like where I work at the university, if you have a primary care provider listed on your chart, they will try for appointments with that person first, and then, all, and then they're welcome to go anywhere else, right? It doesn't limit you to have a designated primary care person. Um, it just uh, points people towards that person, and all the information that comes in about you goes to that same point person. I think the only really bad option is to stick your head in the sand and never see a doctor, right? So that has been shown time and again to not do well, right? Because then once you develop health issues, you can't usually make them go away. You can really just sort of make them better and stave off disaster. So uh, getting into a physical once a year, regardless of exactly who it's with, is good. And that's what you want. And what would be even better is if it's with the same person every time, but you can't always make that happen in the real world. So there you go.
0: All right. So uh, let's wrap this up. Uh, Any, any takeaways. So my three guys that already have primary care Yeah, like, like Mitch, did you get a takeaway from this or were you like, no, duh, Scott, like, 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 get on, get on board with Uh, this? No, no, like
1: I, I recognize how lucky I am to have one. And I think that if you are in a situation where you're on the fence about, uh, do I really need one or not? Like I just from me, someone who for the longest time did not interact with healthcare or their own health for the longest time in my life. Like my PCP is someone who I really appreciate having for. A lot of reasons.
0: And I think access, because you said you had some more complicated things, that access is super important Mm -hmm. for you is what I've taken. Troy, how about you? Takeaways.
2: I will say my takeaway is that even though the initial incentive for me to see a primary care provider and sometimes the continuing incentive has been that financial incentive the insurance plan provides. Even without that, I've found enough value in it that if I don't have that, I'll continue to see a primary care provider every year. Again, because of that access and because of the very tangible benefits I've seen in the past because of that relationship. How about you, Dr. Shabbat?
3: Well, this just gives me warm, fuzzy feelings. Thank you, everyone. Oh. for uh, <laughs> Because oftentimes I, I feel like you know primary care goes um, a little... Uh, uh, under-recognized perhaps about like, you know, the benefits for it, um, from, you know, just like, a like average people. Right. So, um, I, I think, you know, me working in primary care, I've always felt really solidly that most, if not all people should have a primary care doctor. And, um, I, I'm just excited that we got to have this conversation. So, yeah.
0: Cool. I think my takeaway is a couple, I think one, this notion of guys think, oh, I'm doing well enough, or I'm healthy. I think it's good to have somebody that you go see every year that can check you on that, right? Cause, sure. Because there are times I've thought that, and then as I'm getting ready to go for my annual physical, I'm like, mm, you're kind of not,
1: <laughs> you know.
0: So it's <laughs> like a reality check. So I think that's a good thing. And I think just just telling yourself, I'm going to make this a yearly commitment even though I don't think that I need to go, even though I don't think I have anything wrong, because quite frankly, you know, as you approach that appointment, you start, it forces you to start thinking about those things. And when you start thinking about them, you start taking that inventory and you might be able to find something that can improve your health or prevent health problems down the the road. So I think that's my big takeaway is just have that, even though you tell yourself you don't want to go, or you don't think you have to go, go, because I think, most of the time, you're going to find that you're going to get some benefit out of it.
3: It's a privilege, not a chore.
0: It is ah. a privilege, not a chore. <laughs> uh, thank you very much for listening. So, if you're listening and you don't have a primary care provider, your assignment is just go find somebody and make that yearly commitment. It can make a huge difference in your health. The the research shows that people with primary care physicians, even healthy people, benefit. Um, if you have something you want to share. If you have an experience you want to talk about, if you have something you look for in a primary care provider, whatever, you can email the show, hello at thescoperadio.com. Dr. Shabbat, thank you for being on the program. Thanks for caring about men's health. It was my pleasure.
3: Thank you for having me.